0: Greetings and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, the third hour of the program, wherever you are. As always, text Eric to 33777. You can find the show notes and all that. But uh, more importantly, if you text donate to 33777, you can get links to both Help the Persecuted. They have a fundraiser where listeners, some of the listeners of this program, have stepped up to help that organization and they will match your donation up to $300,000. Now that's just remarkable. Uh, some of the listeners of this program, if you're not familiar, my buddy Josh Youssef was on with me yesterday. Help the Persecuted helps persecuted Christians, particularly in the Middle East, but around the world. Uh, they got a special focus on the Middle East, though, particularly new converts rescuing them from persecution. Many people who convert to the Middle East are then subsequently sought after by their families to kill And Help the Persecuted helps rescue them and protect them. Uh, But also Clark's Christmas Kids, uh, about less than 3,000 kids still need Christmas presents in Georgia. So if you can help, I realize it's just in Georgia, but you're going to be helping a foster kid in Georgia uh, get a Christmas present. Not buy a Christmas present, get a Christmas present. So if you're willing to help, please help. Um, You can text the word DONATE. To 33777, help either or both, um, whatever you can. Now, I so, you know, when Donald Trump was president, one of the, the great things about being a radio show host when Trump was president is the news changed every single day. You never dwelled on story until COVID hit. COVID slowed everything down, and you talked about COVID days on end. You know, when COVID first started spreading, my syndicated show was just in Georgia. It was on fifteen to twenty stations in Georgia, and I was given the countdown, saying, "Y'all, this is coming. It's starting to spread here. Are the counties." And at some point, I was just like, "Nah, it's in every county." It started spreading, and that story just stayed around. Well, the Harvard story and the the academic story it just continues to stay around. I want to. I'll, I'll get into those details, but I want to talk about a, a side angle to the story. Uh, a buddy of mine, Eric Reed, he's actually going to join me on my Christmas program, and I hope you'll listen to the Christmas show. Um, if you're around the radio on Christmas um, or over the weekend before Christmas, I think if you listen to me on the weekend uh, on your local radio station, we're going to run the Christmas show then, and then on Christmas Day. Eric Reed lost his son Caleb a few years ago. Um, on December fourth was the day his son died. And Eric's a pastor. He was shaken greatly by his son's death, and I don't know that I would say caused a crisis of faith, but but the anxiety it caused bad anxiety, and he struggled for a while and overcame it. And I'm gonna talk to him. Uh, we're gonna record the conversation before Christmas because obviously he's not gonna work on Christmas, and I want to get it done before then myself um, about dealing with anxiety and stuff. But Eric also runs a ministry called Knowing Jesus Ministries. And I pay for his nonprofit to come down to my kids' school every year to talk to the kids about because my kids go to a classical Christian school, a somewhat sheltered existence, this sort of school where the parents have to be interviewed about their faith, that, that this is not a school for everybody. And the kids' parents are interviewed, and then the kids, it's classical education, they learn Latin and. And you got the rhetoric school, and, and my oldest has just done her senior thesis. She had to uh, do a persuasive paper, or argue a point. Hers was that modern feminism has devalued women. It was actually well done. I got to sit through it, and the questions she was asked tough questions. Uh, but I know my kids leads a somewhat sheltered existence, and they're going to go out into the world, and they're going to go to college. And I hear from so many people who they lose their kids, and so I mentioned Eric Reed because. He had a Twitter thread up yesterday, I think it was, about a friend of his whose daughter went off to college and had gone in a, a devout conservative Christian kid and came out just a, a wackadoo liberal atheist who went off to Central America to God knows where and doesn't have anything to do with her Hick family anymore. And he's like, it's it's not just the Ivy League. This happens at so many schools. How do you prepare your kids for it? And that's, I mean, Eric runs a program on preparing your kids for it because I worry about my kids. You know, uh, Tim Keller and I had several conversations about this. I wanted to interview him and his wife, Kathy, at one point for a TV show I'd done. wasn't a successful TV show. It was on a streaming service. It wasn't raw meat partisanship, and so it really didn't get picked up at the time. But I wanted to talk to him about raising kids, and and both of them, Kathy and and Tim both said, nope, nope. Kathy was the first one to say, Tim, Keller will not write books or preach on raising kids and I mentioned that to Tim when I got to know him and he said yes she's absolutely right I I, I don't do this because uh, we didn't do anything she says it was all the Lord because um, most of our friends, who they were the devout people, who they were, their kids were in Sunday school every week, and they had their kids in church camp, and they were always at vacation Bible study stuff. Says so all their kids went off the deep end. And and he says, my kids are up. now I've, I've gotten to know his son, Michael, not well, but know him. He's a good guy and now uh, is a pastor um, at Redeemer in New York where the, the church his dad founded. But it, it really—I I worry sometimes, like, I mean, y'all, this is one of my whole ideas on why there's got to be a God because some of this stuff— you just, see, you know, you screw up your kids. Everybody screws up your kids. There's, there's a a song. What's his name? Noah Kahan or whatever who's singing now. Um, it, it's something about I I'm still angry with my parents um, for not being angry at the things my parents' parents did to them or something like that. Um, and I, I just, you know, you you can screw up your kids very easily, people. But also, you can love your kids. And have a good relationship with them, and then see him go off to the Ivy League and become a, a commie. So, how do you combat that? I don't know that I know the answer. But I'll tell you, I've I've got some theories on the matter. One of which is particularly if you're a faith family, I don't mean this critically. I really don't mean this critically, and and I know it sounds judgy, but I'm oftentimes stunned by the superficiality of a lot of churches. And the kids have like a social connection with the youth group at church, but they're not really learning uh, the depths of faith. And the sermons on Sunday are just shallow. They're not deep. I see this in evangelicalism, honestly, uh, in, in the politicization of churches today. The number of people who go to churches who really don't know a whole lot of deep stuff about the faith. They, they, they like I. So I went to seminary and started hearing stuff in seminary. I was like, oh my gosh, why why didn't this ever come out in church? Like the hypostatic union. Now, if you're a pastor, you're kind of chuckling at the phrase "hypostatic union," but it just means Jesus fully God, fully man. You hear this stuff in church, but what does it actually mean that Jesus of Nazareth, God Almighty Himself, was also fully man? Well, it certainly makes Gethsemane make more sense when He's overwhelmed. But there's really there's just some level of superficialness in in a lot of churches and a lot of youth groups and stuff, and uh, my kids go to a school where they, they've got deep Bible—I mean, my gosh, do they have deep Bible classes. they got one semester that is just the Book of Romans. But I bring in Eric's group to try to help navigate this as well, because your kid's going to go off to college and probably make friends with people who do not share their values, and you want your child to love their neighbor without— Conforming to their neighbor's sins or affirming their neighbor's sin, and making sure your kid knows what your kid believes before going off to college is really important. It's it's the thing that Eric's group, Knowing Jesus Ministries, works on. They're not alone in doing that. And I just I, I hear so many horror stories, and they just break your heart of parents who. It's not just that their kid went to college and decided, you know what, I'm actually out from under my parents' shadow, and I'm going to be a liberal. It's that the kid becomes ashamed of their parents and their parents' values. It is heartbreaking to hear these stories. At the same time, college is more and more devalued. College is more and more just a waste of time for a lot of people. You know, I, I saw the other day um, somebody put up a sign of a Bucky's. You know what a Bucky's is? It's a one of those giant grocery uh, gas stations from Texas and grocery store Texas brisket and stuff and like a um, car wash manager at the buckies makes $150,000 a year with benefits. I don't know where it was in the nation. It's like wow. That and, and no college degree required it, it's it's impressive. Um there are opportunities for people these days to make a good income without a college degree. At the same time, the people who have college degrees Tend to have more stable marriages and tend to be more likely to keep a job and, and tend to make more money long term. Those are just the facts. People want their kids to get a college degree for a reason. But not at the expense of their soul these days. And so many parents are worried about that. Here's my advice to you is have a community of people around you who share your values because at some point your kids are going to realize you don't actually have all the answers they thought they had, that they thought you had. But if you surround yourself with people they know and respect, they're going to hear those people say the same thing and realize you're not the anomaly. One of the things that colleges try to do is not just challenge kids' beliefs, which is fine. It's what they're supposed to do. But try to suggest that you're kind of the freak and that nobody here believes this stuff. And look at us. We're all these uh, great academics and stuff. Well, when you surround your kids with people who share your values, they're going to hear other smart, good people Share the values, and they're going to realize that it, this isn't an anomaly, and that matters. But also, make sure your kids actually do understand, like the answers to questions, like conflicts in scripture, and why things are out of place from one story to the next. You yourself should know this stuff. I, I, and again, it, it, part of it is I went to seminary and I heard this stuff. Like there are in, you know, the story of Jesus casting out the, um, the demons, the legion into the herd of pigs. In one book of the New Testament, it's one guy, and in another book, it's two. It's the same story. It's clearly the same story, but in one book, it's one guy, and in another book, it's it's another. It's it's two of them, and there are rational reasons for why, including how stories were told and to audiences, and in one culture when the story was told, even if there were multiple people, you only focused on the one person because the majority of the events happened to that one person. So you leave the other person out to avoid confusing the story. There, there are answers to these questions, and you get challenged in college, and you got to make sure your kids are prepared for that sort of stuff, preparing your kids for the challenges of college. Now, some of the stuff you can't prepare your kids for, and it just happens, and, and you got to love them and pray for them, uh, pray over them, but it's not easy raising kids these days. And so many academic institutions make it so much harder by being so hostile to your values. You got to be careful. And you got to be deliberate. You got to be thoughtful. And my kid's going off next year to college, and she's going local, and it's my alma mater. And I know the president of the university, but I worry about it too, because I remember when I was at that school and got challenged, and and luckily had a good group of people around me who affirmed me and held me up and answered my questions. And you got to make sure your kids have that too. Okay, I, I need y'all to promise me something. Welcome back, by the way. I need you to promise me something. I'm going to tell you a secret, and you're not going to tell anyone I work with. Deal? Okay? I'm going to tell you something you're not supposed to know. I'm not here right now. Shh, 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 shh. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to know. I'm not actually. I'm here, but I'm not here. Uh, I got called away, and I knew it was going to happen, so this I've now had to, like, We've moved into. I had to pre record this last little half hour here because I had to go to a meeting and I couldn't get out of it. There was no point in having a guest host. So I don't actually know. I'm assuming the Federal Reserve decided not to raise interest rates, but I'm assuming they also signaled that they're not going to cut them anytime soon. That's my guess, but by now it has happened. So my apologies for not being able to bring you up to speed. It's breaking news. And I'm sure if you stick around to the bottom of the hour newscast or your local radio station, they're going to tell you. But I just, I hate lying to you guys. I'm sorry. I don't like, they they, they tell me that no one's ever going to know, Erickson, you should tell. But I feel like I'm, I feel like it's dishonest and and that I should tell you. Um. So I just, I just wanted you to know, just don't tell anybody I work with because then I get in trouble because you, you pull the curtain back too far and you reveal the dirty little secret that you're not actually here right now. But I'm here. I love you guys. I actually put this together because I got stuff to talk about anyway, but I had to go. They made me go to a meeting that I couldn't get out of it. And there was no point in having a guest host for this little bit. And I still got half hour to go and you better come back. Now you have to come back. Now I've shared the secret with you. So you have to come back and listen to what I have to say because you don't know what I'm going to say, but you got to come back. Okay. I try to be honest with you guys sometimes I overshare. I realize it. I, I, I acknowledge it. There are times I tell you way more than I should. My wife got mad at me the other day because I told you guys something and she didn't know that I should have told you guys and she got over it, but it does sometimes annoy my family as well that I share too much. You know, it's like my son, he turned 15. He doesn't like me to put pictures up anymore. Um, of him, which kind of makes me sad. I'm so proud of him. I really am. I'm, I'm, I have two good kids. I, I really do. And I'm proud of him and I'm proud of him. But my kid got recognized one time because I put him on Instagram and the woman, she recognized me and he was with me and she recognized him and it freaked him out so bad because she flipped out total fangirl and it scared him so bad. He was younger at the time. That at that moment he decided I was never allowed to put a picture of him on the internet again on on Instagram or anything. And that poor woman and her excitement just totally ruined it for the rest of us. And I, I get his privacy. I really do get his privacy concerns. And it just it kinda made me sad though that he's that apprehensive and has been ever since about putting it on. But um yeah, anyway, I, I, I overshare that sort of stuff and, and sometimes I always like, do you really want to say, yeah, but I mean, I feel like you guys are friends so I can share the stuff with you. Don't, don't rat me out now though. Y'all don't rat me out. You got to come back because I got more to talk about. But before we get out of here, I got to tell you about stamps.com because this morning before the show, I had the post office pick up a package and they did it at my office. Um, because that's where I told them to pick it up. And I never had to stand in a line. I did it all through stamps.com with my computer and printer, and that's all you need is a computer and a printer, access to the internet. You go to stamps.com, and you can ship packages. I found the fastest rate. So you get the option. You can find the cheapest way to send a package with post office or UPS, or you can find the fastest way. You can even get up to 84% savings through stamps.com. I needed the fastest way because I had to get a package sent overnight to someone. And I was able to do it and they came this morning and they picked up the package and I didn't have to go stand in line with all those germy people this holiday season. You don't have to either. All you do, you go to stamps.com, you click on the microphone, you put in my name, Eric, you get a limited time offer. You get free postage, a free digital scale, no long-term commitment, no contract. Again, no contract, no long-term commitment. Go to stamps.com today, click on the microphone and put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, start saving a day and stop standing in lines with stamps.com. Greetings, my people. I'm glad to have you with me. Yes, y'all are my people, and I love you. The phone number is 877-973-7425. But if you know my secret from the last segment, don't call in right now. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Harvard University. Listen to this. This is from the New York Post. Harvard University covered up a high-level investigation into whether its controversial president was a plagiarist and used an expensive law firm to threaten the New York Post over our own probe. That's the New York Post writing. The college announced Tuesday morning it had investigated Claudine Gay over whether some of her academic work was plagiarized and had cleared her of breaching the college's standards for research misconduct. Instead, it said she would request four corrections in two publications to insert citations and quotation marks that were originally omitted. But the Post can disclose that Harvard spent weeks failing to come clean about Gay being under investigation, staying quiet even when she was hauled in front of Congress for disastrous testimony on how the Ivy League College is dealing with anti-Semitism on campus. Harvard only disclosed the investigation when the university's governing body, Harvard Corporation, said it had unanimously stood behind her despite a firestorm of criticism for her evidence to Congress. Harvard's public statement on the allegations of plagiarism came a day after a conservative activist posted questions on Twitter about citations in Gay's 1997 Ph.D. dissertation. Gay vigorously defended her academic record in comments to the Boston Globe after the dissertation questions were revealed and said, I stand by the integrity of my scholarship. Throughout my career, I have worked to ensure my scholarship adheres to the highest academic standards. Tuesday's statement issued to members of the Harvard community said that the probe began in late October after Harvard became aware of allegations about Gay, But the statement did not tell the full story including how Harvard called in bulldog attorneys to protect gay. The Post contacted the university on October 24th, asking for comment on more than two dozen instances in which gay's words appeared to closely parallel words, phrases, or sentences in published works by other academics. The 27 instances were in two academic papers published in two peer-reviewed journals between 2011 and 2017 and an article in an academic magazine in 1993. The Post was sent the material anonymously and had conducted its own analysis before asking Harvard to comment. When the Post brought the allegations to Harvard, Jonathan Swain, its Senior Executive Director for Media Relations and Communications, asked for more time to review the work. A day later, Swain, who was part of the Biden-Harris transition team and a one-time Hillary Clinton aide, said he'd get back in touch over the next couple of days, but he didn't. Two days later, on October 27th, the Post was sent a 15-page letter from Thomas Clare, a high-powered Virginia-based attorney with the firm Clare Locke, who identified himself as defamation counsel for Harvard. The letter contained comments from academics whose work Gay was alleged to have improperly cited, even though the political scientist review could only just have begun. Harvard has still not said what works Gay is seeking to have corrected and whether her dissertation will be corrected, it, has, it did not respond to a further set of questions from the Post on Tuesday. The dates of the three works reviewed by the Post range from 1993 when Gay was a postgraduate student until 2007 when she was dean of social science at the school's faculty of arts and sciences. So I read you this because it's important to put it all in context. The New York Post on October 27th sent Harvard this information, or no, 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 uh, 25th, 20, 20 f- uh, said Harvard, the information. And two days later, got a letter from a defamation attorney threatening the New York Post. Now Harvard says, oh, we conducted a full investigation. Um, if Harvard conducted a full investigation, why did they seek defamation lawyers on the New York Post? I'll tell you why because the reality is Claudine Gay is not qualified to be the president of Harvard University. She is a poorly cited academic. This isn't just in comparison to Larry Summers, who was a treasury secretary, but compared to prior Harvard presidents, Claudine Gay has the least amount of research and scholarship. But Claudine Gay is an affirmative action pick for Harvard. They needed her diversity. They wanted her diversity. And that's the truth of the matter. She's not a deep academic. She's a diversity, equity, and inclusion pick. And by the way, If it stings you for me to tell you she's an affirmative action hire by Harvard to check off DEI boxes, well, then maybe you shouldn't be supporting those affirmative action decisions uh, where the Supreme Court rejects it. You're, You're all upset the Supreme Court got rid of affirmative action programs. Well, she's a pick, a DEI pick. And if you don't like the fact that that somehow stigmatizes her, it's just the truth, maybe you shouldn't be supporting DEI and affirmative action picks. She's just not deeply accomplished. She's also not been a great president of Harvard. She has preferred groups and preferences. She tried to get rid of a professor from Harvard who uh, was not down with Black Lives Matters. She has embarrassed herself with her handling of things on campus. And the most damning part of it all, in all honesty, the worst part of it is that when the New York Post flagged this information. Instead of treating it honestly and investigating it, they sent defamation lawyers, and they claimed they were looking at it. And and you can tell by how quickly they responded with lawyers. They really had no interest in it because they propped her up. They elevated her above where she was qualified to be, and the wokes, the white wokes of Harvard, will fall on on their sword over this. They built this up, and they got to defend it. Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas— is now pushing uh, legislation that would defund or tax the endowments of these woke universities. This is from Breitbart. Tom Cotton on Tuesday will introduce, I guess that means he did introduce, um, the Woke Endowment Security Tax Act, which would impose a one-time tax on the endowments of 10 American universities to fund aid to Ukraine, Israel, and securing the U.S.-Mexico border. The West Tax would impose a 6% excise tax on the 2022 values of endowments and would raise $15.47 billion. The tax would apply to universities with endowments of at least $12.2 billion and universities with endowments of at least $9 billion that also operate a state college contract. The covered universities would include Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Princeton, MIT, Penn, Northwestern, Columbia, Washington University, and Cornell. The tax proposal follows the presidents of several elite universities coming under fire for their ridiculous testimony in Congress about anti-Semitism and genocide. Not a bad idea. We might as well tax these people. I mean, what's so hilarious here is that these people are all in favor of wealth taxes, yet they don't want this sort of stuff. Uh, Now, somebody just sent me this tweet this morning. He from somebody named Nicholas Christakis, Sterling Professor of Social and Natural Science at Yale He writes, I think many people inside academia do not quite realize some of the ways the debacle involving Harvard and its president and also the broader culture within many elite schools is perceived by many people outside academia. Here verbatim is what one successful and smart donor circulated to a list of his colleagues today regarding his perceptions of Bill Ackman's actions. I think that views like this are worth engaging seriously, in part because American universities are being seen as squandering their credibility in ways that will ultimately harm them. So this is it. This is a, uh, a successful smart donor circulated to a list of his colleagues. Apparently, the putative reason Harvard decided to support Claudine Gay, certainly not because she's a black woman, was that it was important for the school to remain immune to outside pressure from wealthy, that is, Jewish donors. But this is even a worse reason than saying we won't fire a black woman, because the arrogance behind not listening to voices outside the ivory tower is precisely what got us here in the first place. The school presidents wallowing in nuance, legalese, and my truths is precisely why the rest of the nation is so repulsed by them. It is clear that they are telling the taxpayers, give us tax breaks for our donors— no taxation on endowment gains, direct grants for research, low-interest loans for tuition, and keep your mouths shut. We know better what to do with your money than you fools do. Along comes Bill Ackman, someone who knows better what to do with his money than Harvard, Someone who is successful in spite of and not because of his Harvard education. Someone who cannot wallow in nuance or he'd never make an investment. Someone who realizes that clarity, not cleverness, is the essence of morality. Someone who would go to jail if he plagiarized others' research. And of course, he stands for everything the university despises. No wonder they refuse to surrender to outside pressure. They've already surrendered to everything else. If these universities... Want to go to war with common sense and want to defend anti Semitism and plagiarist presidents of universities? Tax them. Stop giving them grants. Stop letting universities with massive endowments qualify for discounted student loans. Punish them. Yes, use the government to punish them. The government is entitled to punish bad actors and These Ivy League universities are breeding grounds for insanity and anti-Semitism. They've given up on education in favor of indoctrination. They have massive grade inflation. All of their privileged little students get A's in every class they have, no matter how weak or challenging. Tax them. Tax them. Tax the endowments. Stop giving them grants. Stop giving them loans. Make them use their endowments to cover the cost. Make them liable for student loan defaults. Go after them. You might as well you got nothing to lose at this point. They've exposed themselves as being hostile to outside voices that could clean them up. They've been exposed as having ridiculous arrogance. They're willing to hire a university president who is not all that academically gifted, who committed plagiarism. They'll expel dozens of students this year for plagiarism while protecting their affirmative action pick of a president. Go after Harvard University. If you are a business, you should blackball Harvard graduates. And don't give me spare me the, oh, but what about the poor? innocent Harvard who disagree. So what? Transfer schools. Transfer schools. You went to Harvard because it's Harvard, and now you're going to suffer the consequences of going to a breeding ground for anti-Semitism, and you should. Except I really doubt a lot of these Fortune 500 guys. I doubt Bill Ackman's going to say, "No, well, we're not hiring Harvard people anymore. I doubt he's going to do that. You want to fix Harvard, that's what you do. How serious are the people bellyaching about this stuff to fix it? If they're really serious about fixing it, if they're really serious about fixing the problems at these universities, they're going to stop hiring their kids. But also, Tom Cotton's right. Tax the endowments, deny them access to the student loan program, force their endowments to cover their student loans. Do that. Go after them. Go after their money. It, at this point, is the right thing to do. The arrogance of Harvard University standing behind their plagiarist president after her ridiculous comments and falling back on the phrase, my truth, you're not fit for office if you have my truth instead of the truth. And Harvard is not fit as an institution to have its students employed in the major companies of America. If this is their standard bearer, this is what she's done, and they would rather sit defamation lawyers on people and cover it up than actually deal with it, we all need to be done with this institution. You know what's so interesting in the dynamic of things is Harvard is Really, uh, the New York Times, rather, is circling the wagons around Harvard. What, what I find notable is like the Washington Post has become a pro-Hamas newspaper. I mean, the, the terrorists are in charge of the Washington Post at this point. It's remarkable how the Washington Post just feeds Hamas's narrative out to the public. But Harvard's actually, or, or rather, the New York Times has been pretty good, not great, but way better than the Washington Post, relatively speaking, on, on the Israeli situation, Uh, with Gaza and and Hamas. But my gosh, the New York Times has been over backwards to defend uh, Claudine Gay and Harvard. In fact, they're doing a hit piece on Bill Ackman today. Bill Ackman's campaign against Harvard followed years of resentment. The subtitle, the billionaire investor has mounted a high-profile battle against Harvard President Claudine Gay over anti-Semitism and threats to Jewish students on campus, but long-held personal grudges play a role too. Behind his anger are personal grievances that predate the uproar. Mr. Ackman, by his own admission and according to others around him, resents that officials at his alma mater, to which he's donated tens of millions of dollars and its president, Claudine Gay, have not heeded his advice on a variety of topics. Most recently, this includes how to respond to complaints of anti-Semitism and the specter of violence against supporters of Israel on campus. Now, this is kind of funny because had they listened to Bill Ackman's advice, they would not be in the mess they are in, but somehow his resentment has spilled over. This is kind of bizarre. Those sensitive to the perception that a wealthy alumnus could exert such influence over the school mounted a campaign to back Dr. Gay. Mr. Ackman maintained support for some corners of campus, including Jewish groups who feel the university was too slow to forcefully condemn the Hamas attack and a sense equivocated on threatened violence against Jewish students. Mr. Ackman noted that he met with 230 Jewish students in a town hall on a recent trip to campus. When the history of this movement is written, Bill will be a part of it, says Rabbi Hershey Zarkai of Harvard Shabbat, which hosted Mr. Ackman on campus. This is just remarkable, though, that essentially you get an airing of dirty laundry against Mr. Ackman because he has been engaged with Harvard, giving them advice they've chosen not to take. But one of those core pieces of advice was how they needed to aggressively deal with anti-Semitism on campus. And so now the New York Times is doing a hit piece on Ackman saying, well, you can't really believe him. He's nursing grudges at Harvard because they didn't listen to him on combating anti-Semitism on campus. You mean they didn't listen to the guy who gave them advice on how to get out of the problem they now have remarkably astute analysis, I guess, from the New York Times. They really have circled the wagon. So they've been very protective of Claudine Gay at the New York Times. And it's it's not surprising to me, given the, the academic pedigree of so many of the people at the New York Times. But it's also just in several, think about all the things the elites in this country have gotten wrong over the last number of years. So many things, and not just COVID, so many things in finance, modern monetary theory, we wouldn't have inflation. You could do all these things. They, they got it wrong. Ironically, it was the president of the former president of Harvard who got that right. But the academic elite, the liberal elite in this country, all the, in their circle of jerks, they continue to get this stuff wrong constantly. And then they circled the wagons around each other, so there's never any accountability for all the wrong stuff they got. At some point, this is a fight worth having, and I think it's probably at this point that this has become a fight worth having. And Republicans really should make this a huge issue. The Democrats demand we bail out the student loans of the people who went to Harvard who fester anti-Semitism— Republicans instead should be taxing the endowments of these institutions and forcing them to cover the cost of their student loan defaults. It is a great conservative populist issue that takes it to the progressive elite in this country. That's just, it's such a winning issue for the GOP right now. They really should be championing it. All right, you guys, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Y'all have a great rest of the day